thanks for downloading the audio podcast of this week's sermon. We pray you'll be blessed and encouraged with the words you hear. So what we're going to look at this morning, we're going to be looking at two different passages in the Old Testament. We're going to be looking at uh, two stories. We're going to be looking at two servants. We're going to be looking at two spies. And we're going to be looking at two different solutions. So we will come to the message shortly. Now, in our lives as Christians, you could nearly break it down to three different areas. There are facts, there's faith, and there's fear. So we have the facts which surround us each and every day, the, the facts of life, the, what, what we do and who we are and, and, and what we go about doing. And then we have uh, fear, which is a, a bad choice, but we often choose that. That is often the choice that we make in certain circumstances. And then there's faith, which is a, a good choice. And no matter how long we are on the road as Christians, we can often choose the fear factor rather than the faith factor. Did God ever ask you to do something that really puts you out of your comfort zone? Yeah? Yeah, and a few of you are nodding. I would say a few of you who didn't nod probably would agree with me. For most of us, at some stage in our lives, God has probably asked us to do something that you don't understand why he's asking you to do it. Now, on Wednesday, God asked me to do something and I don't understand why he asked me to do it. And it's this. I haven't switched this on. That's my iPad. That's what I preach from. Esther doesn't know this. I have no notes this morning. That's my notes. And my notes are to keep me right with my images, where they come, and my readings. So you can imagine the conversation that I've been having with the Lord from Wednesday evening. Um, Yeah, I'm scratching my head. Uh, This is either going to be a very short message, or a very stumbling message, or both. Uh, And I've kept that image up because this is the most nervous that I've ever been in a long, long time before I have preached a message. However, uh, I have to make one of two choices this morning. And I have been having this conversation with the Lord all week. And to be honest, I've told him quite a few times that I think he's wrong (laughs) to ask me to do this, truthfully. But uh, I have to be obedient and I am being obedient. And then the Lord reminded me that there are people in Scripture and God asked them to do crazy, stupid things. Think of Noah and think of what God asked him to do for the number of years that he was building this big boat and there was no rain. You see, faith makes you look stupid like Noah until it starts to rain for 40 days. Then I thought of Moses, and we're going to be looking a wee bit around one of the stories that Moses is involved in. And of course, Moses was asked to go to Pharaoh and then to uh, transport uh, the children of Israel. And most historians reckon there was around 2 million people 
about maybe 600,000 men and then women and children. So most historians reckon there are probably 2 million uh, people. So, of course, uh, that was a really crazy thing that God was asking Moses to do. And then we think of Peter, Peter in the boat, and Jesus asked him to step out of the boat, step out of his comfort zone, uh, which he did, of course, and he did walk on water, and then uh, faith subsided and fear took over, and he began to sink. So I thought, well, that's okay. I'm in fairly good company this morning uh, when God has asked me to step out of my comfort zone. Can you turn with me, please, uh, away back in the Old Testament to 2 Kings chapter 6. And uh, we're going to read uh, one of my favorite Old Testament stories. In fact, uh, both of the stories and both of the passages that we're going to read this morning uh, would be on the kind of the top of my list of favorite passages. So uh, 2 Kings and chapter 6. Uh, give you a wee second till you turn to it or switch it on if it's your phone or your iPad, and then we're going to read through. Two Kings chapter six and uh, verse eight. Now the king. This is uh, New King James version, by the way. If that helps anyone, if you're maybe picking that up on your phone or your iPad. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel, and he consulted with his servant, saying, My camp will be in search and search a place. And the man of God, so the man of God being the prophet of God, being Elisha, we'll read that later. So the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Okay, so that's, that's a fact. That's a fact. That is what happened. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled. He was, he was raging. He was boiling. And the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. He called his servants and said to them, will you show me which of us is for the king of Israel? In other words, he believed that there was a super grass in the camp. He believed there was a mole in the camp. How, how else could his, his raids be thwarted time and time and time again unless somebody on that, that inner circle within those who had the ear of the king of Syria knew what was going to happen and had passed the information to the king of Israel. So the king of Syria thought that there was a mole in the camp. Verse 12, and one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. I thought that should have been the boardroom. But anyhow, maybe the bedroom was the boardroom. I don't know. Verse 13, so he said, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. And it was told him saying, surely he is in Dothan. Now, Dothan appears only twice in the Bible. It appears here in this passage where Elisha and his servant are residing. And it uh, is mentioned one other time and it's in Genesis 37. And you'll know the story well. It's the story of Joseph. And Joseph was sent by his father to go and check on his brothers and, and check on the, the livestock. And he went as far as Dothan. 
Dothan was a dodgy place. That was about a thousand years earlier. And it's the only two times that this city or town is mentioned in Scripture. That's just a footnote. Therefore, verse 14, he sent, this is the king of Syria, sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. Fact. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots, and a servant said to him, Craigie. Well, not really. He said, Alas, which is woe. In other words, he he was obviously startled. Alas, my master, what shall we do? Fear. So he answered, that's Elisha, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Faith. Then the Lord, sorry, then Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. There's faith. And behold, the mountain was full of horses uh, and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Fact. Fact. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed again. So he's praying again to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Now, What I don't understand about this scripture is this. So you had the Syrian army circling the city to come and capture one man, probably two men, because I imagine that the servant of Elisha would have been collateral damage. I imagine he would have been caught up in it as well. So you have this massive army circling the city of Dothan to uh, capture Elisha. Then Elisha prays, that the Lord would open the eyes of a servant, his spiritual eyes, that he would see the chariots of fire. What I don't understand is, why did the chariots of fire and the horses and the angels not destroy the Syrian army? Because I would have thought that's why they were there. But that didn't happen. So they come down to Elisha, Uh, Elisha prays that the Lord would strike them with blindness. In verse 19, Elisha said to them, This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. And so it was when they had come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see faith. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and they were inside Samaria. Now, when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? Now, again, um, just read into it. I imagine the king was very excited at this point in time because the enemy army was, was delivered right in front of him. And so, of course, he, he thought, well, we've got to destroy this, this enemy. And uh, Elisha said, you shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and your bow? Set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. Then he prepared a great feast for them. And I was thinking, I was thinking when I was reading that, and I've never read, I've never read two passages as much before preached in my life because I've had to, okay? Psalm 23 came to me so much. 
Then he prepared a great feast for them. Psalm 23, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. They ate and they drank and he sent them away and they went to their master. So the bands of Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. There was peace. The outcome was victory, but not victory how you and I perhaps would interpret victory in, in the sense of an army. As I say, I would have thought that the, the chariots of fire and the, and the angels the, would have destroyed them. I'm not sure where it is in, in the scripture, but I believe that one angel on one occasion struck down about 170 or 80,000 people. One angel. And so um, these, uh, this enemy army was sent back sent back to their master and there was peace and there was victory. You see, faith led to peace. Faith led to peace. You've heard of 2020 vision, haven't you? I didn't realize until I researched that there's a thing called 2030 vision. 2020 vision obviously is if you've got very good eyesight. 2030 vision is if you've got poor eyesight. Now, just changing the subject slightly for a moment. Uh, when we've been visiting, we've realized a lot of you have dogs. So, uh, if you don't mind, put your hand up if you've got a dog. I would say well over 50%. Okay, uh, put your hand up if you've got one dog. Okay. Put your hands down. Put your hand up if you've got two dogs. Oh, quite a few. Okay, put your hands down. Put your hand up if you've got three dogs. Andrew, are you sleeping or are you just are you are you are you, are you just ignoring me at the moment? Okay, so uh, I believe it's a trades description act that we're not allowed to know how many dogs you have. Is that right? No, we're not allowed. But it's, it's quite a few, isn't it? It's quite a number. Okay. So, I thought that we would have a wee look at a few dogs this morning. Now, how is your hearing? How is your hearing? Uh, I had a conversation with um, a lady and a gentleman about a week ago. And they were telling us that their son had been born with a hearing deficiency. And um, it wasn't until quite a wee while later that he was able to get some sort of hidden hearing or something, something along those lines. You'll forgive me if it's not a, a, an accurate story because there's a point that I want to make with it. But he could, he, his hearing was really, really poor and he got this, we'll call it hidden hearing. And he went out of the the shop, and it was snowing. It had been snowing. And he stopped, and he asked his mum, what was the noise? He was walking over the snow. You know the crunching? You know the crunching that you would hear when you're walking over snow? And for the first time in his life, am I right, Danny and Linda? It's something that you're aware of this story. For the first time in his life, this young boy could hear 
the snow crunching under his feet. How is our hearing? Elisha was the prophet of God and he was hearing from God. And you might say, that's okay, Paul. That's the job of a prophet. The job of a prophet is to hear from God and to speak to men about God and to speak to God about men. And that's true. But we're called the priesthood of all believers. We're called the body of Christ. So we all need to have our hearing tuned spiritually. We need to be able to hear from God, just like Elisha heard from God time and time again. So how's your sight? I don't, is that a springer? Where's Willie? Where are you? Aye. Is that a springer, Jackie and Willie, is it? I'm not, not sure anyhow. Um, but about 20 years ago, my mother started to have problems with her eyes. In fact, it was one eye to begin with. Um, and, and perhaps some of you, maybe even yourselves, have had this uh, situation. It's called uh, macular degeneration. And what it is, um, it comes upon you quite slowly. And um, if, if left undetected or untreated, um, won't lead to complete blindness. But what it will lead to, will that you will have your peripheral vision, in other words. Um, so if I'm looking at you, I will, I will actually be able to see out of the corner of my eye both sides of the congregation. But I will not see anything in my direct line. Macular degeneration. So my mother um, had an operation. And uh, those of you who may know this, you have to, for two weeks, you have to have your head... Uh, like this, horizontal, because there's a bubble, there's a gas bubble that they put in once they've done the operation, and this bubble actually heals your eye. And it actually was the strangest thing. So it was, and Esther was so good. We lived beside mum and dad at the time. Esther would have brought up meals and looked after them a lot. So if mum, if mum was brought from one room to the other, she had to walk like this. And, and she was so good for two weeks that her, you know, the bags under your eyes, they were like this because it filled up with fluid because she literally for two weeks, she had done what she was told. And this happened twice because the first eye, it was a success. And then in a period of time later, her second eye went the same and she did exactly the same. My mom has fabulous sight. In fact, she's got far better sight than I have today. She doesn't even wear glasses driving. Uh, she'd need to wear glasses when she's reversing, mind you, because she's a terrible reverser. She'd need about four spaces, but that's beside the point. So how is our sight? So you had the two servants. You had Elisha, the servant of God, and you had the young attendant, the uh, servant of Elisha. And they had different sets of vision. Elisha could see with the eye of faith and the young attendant was seeing the facts. And then the facts led to the fear. Will you turn with me please to Numbers chapter 13. I think it's maybe back uh, a number of uh, uh, books in the Bible. So if you can turn with me please to Numbers 
This is our second story that we're going to look at this morning. Numbers chapter 13. This is the story of the first ever incursion into the promised land. Verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel from each tribe of their fathers. You shall send a man, every one a leader. Now that's very significant. Every one of these 12 spies were a leader. They were the heads of the tribes that they represented. Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. Now their names were from the tribe of Reuben, Shammu, the son of Zachar, from the tribe of Simeon, Shabbat, the son of Horai, from the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, from the tribe of Issachar, Egal, the son of Joseph, from the tribe of Ephraim, Hosea, the son of Nun, from the tribe of Benjamin, Palti, the son of Raphu, from the tribe of Zebulun, Gadil, the son of Sudi, from the tribe of Joseph, that is, from the tribe of Manasseh, Gadi, the son of Shusi, from the tribe of Dan, Amil, the son of Gamile, from the tribe of Asher. Asher, you've got a tribe. Is he here this morning? You've got a tribe. Brilliant. So from the tribe of Asher, Sether, the son of Michael, from the tribe of Naphtali, Nabi, the son of Wupsi, and the tribe of Gad, Guel, the son of Maki. These are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hosea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Just again, as a wee side note, if you're making notes this morning, uh, Joshua means salvation. And that's very interesting as we read the story on. Then Moses, verse 17, sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up this way to the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in it is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time of the, was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and they spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob, near the entrance of Hamath, and they went up through the south and came to Hebron, and Ahion, Sheshai, and Talmia, the descendants of Anak, were there. Now, you may or may not be aware that um, these were um, very, very tall men. They were very tall in, in, in um, stature. In fact, uh, Goliath, who would be probably the best known uh, descendant of Anak, was, I think, nine foot nine, about ten foot tall. So these were, in reality and in truth, that the fact was that these were very tall men. So they came to the valley of Eshkol, and there they cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. Just thinking of Asda and Tesco and all the shortages. There was no shortage there, was there? They had to find a pole to bring back the, the enormous uh, bunch of grapes that they found. They brought some pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they, de 
Now they departed and came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children in the wilderness of Paran. So they'd been in the wilderness. They had crossed over uh, the Jordan. They'd gone into, we'll call it the promised land. They'd spied it out for 40 days. And then they'd come back with their, the, the fruit uh, of their labors and also with their report. So they came back to the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, and they brought back word to them and to all the congregation, showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Fact. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Fact. The Amalekites dwell in the land to the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. All fact. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once. He was an action man. I don't know if men and boys here, when you were young, did you ever have an action man? Yeah, and the, and the tank and all the stuff. Well, Caleb was a, an action man. Let us go up uh, at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Faith. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we are. Fear. They gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land. Fear. The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people we saw in it are men of great stature. We saw the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight and so we were in their sight too and hence the sermon title. Grasshoppers, giants and great men of God. So how's your head? I think that's maybe a wee pug, is it? Or a chug? A wee bit like the wee dog that we used to have. A wee chug, which was a cross between a pug and a chihuahua. Anyhow, how's your head? You see, the ten that brought the bad report back believed that not only were they like grasshoppers in the sight of the giants, But if you read it, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. Yeah? So they believed themselves that they were like grasshoppers. So all the congregation, chapter 4, verse 1, lifted up their voices and cried, fear. And the people wept that night. And the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness, Fear. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Fear. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. And Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to the congregation of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. Fact. 
If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Faith. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear uh, the people of the land, for they are they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear. Faith. How's your heart? Andrew, I think that's a wee schnauzer, is it? Yeah. I don't know if it's a miniature one or not, but it is. Yeah. How's your heart? How's your hearing? Talking spiritually, of course, you know that. How's your hearing? Are you hearing from God? How's your sight? When you look out, what do you see? Do you see the facts? Do you look at it with the eye of faith? Or do you look at it with fear? How's your hearing? How's your sight? How's your head? These ten spies, their headspace was completely different to the two spies, Caleb and Joshua. How is your heart? How is my heart this morning? Just keeping a wee eye on time. Because when the iPad on, I've got the time. So I have to look at the old conventional way. How is your heart? Um, Dave, could you play the first of those of two short videos? Uh, this is about a minute long, if you'll just have a wee look at it, please. Father, I thank you that you are a good God, that you only give good gifts to your kids. I thank you that your intentions for us are always good, that you are a good, good Father. And Jesus, I thank you in advance for the healings that have happened and the miracles that have happened in this world tonight. God, we still believe that you're moving, we still believe that you're speaking. And in Jesus' name, I pray that tonight would overflow into our weeks, that it would overflow into our schools, into our colleges, into our workplaces, Father. We never want to be a people who can find your presence to our room, Father. So I pray that you would fill us afresh, that you would send us out, Father. I thank you that you've already given us the permission, that you've already sent us out, Father. So we carry your presence and we carry your spirit into this week, Father. In Jesus' name, I pray that you would give us boldness, Father, to pray for those that are sick, to pray for those who just need a touch from you. In Jesus' name, I pray that boldness and the healing would rise up inside of us, Father, to spill out into our workplaces and into our homes, into our schools, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Dave. Um, you probably don't know who that is. Some of you may. Um, and this is proud dad moment. That's our daughter, Carrie Louise. That's, that's in their church in Dublin. Um, Carrie Louise didn't know that was videoed. Nathan videoed it and sent it on to the family chat. And you see, when I, when I watched that for the first time, that was actually on Wednesday night. That was probably part of the reason that God started to speak to me. And uh, do you know what I said to myself? I want... I want what she has. I want what she has. She's 23. About 3,800 miles away, another video appeared, if you can play it, please. Uh, another young person, a young man this time. We've been crying out for a revival in our city. We've been learning about revival, but I've never seen it. I didn't even know it was real. 
I'm like, I'm just sitting in class and they're telling us all these stories on college campuses and then going across the nation. And we're like, where, when is this going to happen? And then they lock you in a prayer room and you're just like, hey, you got to ask for it. And we're just sitting there like, God, I'm asking, what, what does it look like? And then all of a sudden, my friend Jaden says, dude, if Jesus just localized himself and just sat his throne in a room, how could we not drive six and a half hours to go see And we get here. And we get here, and it was like complete, we get here at like 6 a.m., and it's completely silent. And I'm like, um, is this revival, God? And we walk upstairs, because we're kind of nervous. We're like kind of shaking already. We didn't get any sleep. Just they're terrible road trip partners. They both fell asleep. I drove most of the way. But besides that, we go upstairs, and there's people like sleeping, and we're like, so this is revival, God? No. Cool. This, this is awesome. And then the chapel starts. And immediately we just see people flooding in. And God said, revival isn't hype. It's ordinary people who are hungry. It's ordinary people who are hungry. And he said, Gage, I'm going to need you to go to the altar. And I'm like, I don't want to go to the altar. <laughs> and he's like, go to the altar. And I go to the altar and worship starts. And he's like, this is revival. Look left. And I look left. And there's this young college woman getting prayed over by an older woman. And he says, look right. And then there's this young guy praying over an older guy. And he says, look behind you. And everyone's just raising their hands. And he said, Gage, this is revival. It isn't hype. It's ordinary people crying out for a move of God in our generation. And I'm here to talk to everybody in this room who is hungry. What an honor. What an honor it is to be here. Revival's real. It isn't just a story we've heard about. It's come. And it's not just come here today, but it's about to spread out to the nations. It's about to spread out to the United States. And I'm here to talk to every young person in this room. I just gave my life a year and a half ago to Christ, and it has been the greatest thing I have ever done. I left everything, and I'm here to talk to every young person in this room. Forget the job, forget the girl, forget the guy, forget everything. He's worthy, he's worthy, and I'm here. And I'm just saying, oh, it's such an honor. If you don't feel that joy inside of you, I don't know what's going on. It's real. Amen. I love you guys. <laughs> Ashbury Revival, look it up. How's your heart? We're going to finish with two, two points, two brief points. Uh, there were approximately two million people who left Israel, uh, Egypt under the leadership of Moses. There were two people who entered into the promised land, only two people out of two million. Caleb and Joshua. Only two men. How's your heart? And just as a close, one brief sentence or phrase that that young man called Gage, um, and he repeated it twice. He said, revival is not hype. It's ordinary people who are hungry for God. Ordinary people who are hungry for God. And with the greatest respect, and I include myself 
as one of us because we are a church family. With the greatest respect, we are ordinary people here this morning. Every one of us are ordinary people. We need to be hungry for God. We need to have that faith that whatever the Jordan River is, whatever it looks like on, on the other side or on the outside, whatever the enemies look like, whatever the size of the problem is, like the giants, please don't consider yourself a grasshopper. Don't consider yourself such a small, insignificant person compared to the giants that are out there. Believe with all your heart and with all the faith that you have that God is on your side and that the victory is his. Revival isn't hype. It's ordinary people who are hungry for God. I believe the worship team's going to come up now. Can we just pray as the worship team comes to the front, please? Thank you. Lord, I just want to pray a very simple prayer this morning that you would have your way in our lives. Lord, that you would have your way in our church. Lord, I just pray that each and every one of us, Lord, would surrender our lives and our wills, our hopes and our dreams and our intentions, Lord, to you, that we would obey you and we hear your voice. Lord, that we would have those spiritual eyes, spiritual ears, that we would have a heart and a head that is immersed in the will of God and surrendered to you. So, Lord, I pray that you'd bless us, Lord, as we continue to worship on in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like any more information, have a look at our website at www.ballymoneyelam.com.